0: Thank you for tuning in to our Priceless Perspective, where we address real issues and provide practical solutions to many of the challenges facing teen girls and their families today. I'm your hostess, Nicole Steele, and I'm delighted you've tuned in our show. Well, as many of you may know, we've spent the last several weeks on a series called Family Matters, which has been uncovering many of the complex issues that girls have when it comes to dealing with those closest to them. We've discussed everything from how to deal with dysfunction in a family, we've tackled the issue of divorce and the stress and the strain that it can cause on a family and on a child in particular. And we've also discussed blended families and how to adjust when you've got a new step-parent or new siblings that have entered into your life. With all those topics being great, one of the issues that remains to be of ongoing concern from both the girls and the parents that we serve is the issue of communication. So I've asked two of the greatest family counselors that I know to join me today to share their professional perspective on this topic. Welcome, Ms. Sabrina Hyland and Nidra Penland of Rebuilding Lives Counseling. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Now, I've had the pleasure of working with you ladies in various capacities for several years, and you all are number one when it comes to the practice that I recommend the families that I serve, to should they need professional counseling or support in some way. But can you share with our listeners the mission of Rebuilding Lives, and the services that you provide?
1: Yes. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Sabrina Highland. I'm one of the partners in Rebuilding Lives. and And one of our main missions is basically to keep God as the cornerstone of our practice, which is why we we termed it um, Rebuilding Lives and and make sure that God is a part of it. And we want to make sure that in everything that we do when it comes to individuals and families, uh, to make sure that we bring them together and um, help them restore what has been broken. We know that it's not us, we know that it's not about us, and we know that together we can help bring out what's already in them because we truly believe that we're not the experts that they are. And we know that it's there, Um, and we use really the the Holy Spirit that guides us to make sure that we decrease um, and he increases in us in our sessions to make sure that we bring that out in our clients and to help them move forward. And that's really our biggest mission with our individuals and families.
0: You know, I think it's interesting that the word that you used is restoring because a lot of families need just that. They need restoration. They've been broken. They've been wounded, maybe through words, through actions, through experiences. But I think if for anybody who's listening to just know that there is hope, that God's desire is to restore, to make your families healthy. You know, we can pick our friends, we can pick spouses, we can pick a lot of the the people that we welcome into our lives. But when it comes to families, we have no say-so. So (laughs) So, it can be a little bit discouraging, I'm sure, sometimes. But just knowing that there is hope and we are equipped to deal with that unique thing called families, that family that we've been blessed with. Sometimes we can look at other families and go like, oh, my God, why did I get this group that that I'm paired with? Why did I get a family like this or that? But just know that. God is able, so can you share... Both of you, actually, for any girls who might be listening, who are thinking about going into counseling one day, I hear that a lot when we work with girls on their college and career planning. A lot of them, because they listen and they're the ear for their friends who have issues, they're the one that all of their friends come to and they confide in and they share and they give advice in their circles. A lot of girls naturally are pointed to possibly going into counseling. Can you all share why you all went into this field professionally, and what joy you get from the work that you do. Well, for me, you
1: know, Sabrina, I decided to go into this field after um, I have medical background, but I got to a point in my life where I knew I wanted to help people and I knew I wanted to do that without limits. And I felt like going into counseling was one of those to do that. So I ended up working for a community service board for about uh, five years, where I worked with specifically children and adolescents and their families, um, along with working with other different populations. But I really became to love the child and adolescent population, and out of that came some areas of passion for me: uh, working with teen and parents, working with their relationships, working with marriages came out of that, working with people that are depressed, working with people without direction and and not having a purpose, and and me basically. holding on to my belief of I am not the expert and really helping them, uh, empower them, which is something that I often live by, uh, to empower them to find the direction that they need to go in. So I think something that motivated me was knowing that I wanted to work with people without limits and just going into counseling is something that really helped me find that direction. And another passion that I have out of that is mother and daughter relationships. And the greatest joy that I get out of it is when I can see, you know, moms and daughters really uh, build a connection because some people feel like, you know, because you're a teenager or because you've hit middle school or high school that, well, I don't have to. uh, That's just the way that they are, and they're not going to want to be around me that much, and they're not going to want to do what I say. Well, you know, by whose standards? For me, and I, I feel like you can have more and you can have better, and that's one of my goals. And when I see that, that brings me the greatest joy.
0: Now, Nietzsche, what about you? What brought you into this field and what joy do you get out of the work you do? When I
2: was young I have to say that God had planted a seed in me, a passion in me, let me say that, to work with children. So I've always followed that path from the time that I started college up until probably when I was in my masters program and I continued to just like venture out and, and explore different avenues when it comes to working with children and adolescents. So when I was in my master's program, I just knew that I was not going to be a counselor because I said that I don't have time for that. But, but God, so therefore I'm I'm a counselor now, um, and it was all it was a divine plan by God for me to be in this position doing His will um, because it was never my will. And one of the joys that I get from it is because. I'm able to uh, to help others that are hurting, and that has become my passion because I understand pain. We all understand pain. But God has allowed me to use that pain in order to help other people, God, and, and begin to break chains from their lives, to begin to help them set, set themselves free from um, any stronghold. So that is the joy that I experience when um, I'm able to work with somebody that's an addiction or trauma our families that are in pain and um, helping them rebuild their lives began to to do a lot of inner healing because a lot of times we don't see that as a a challenge that deep in our core there's things that are uh, broken that we have to heal from in order for God to restore us. So I would have to say that has been one of the joys just to be able to experience that. With every single client that comes in and that's broken, that's hurting, to see them do this transformation of just healing from the inside and then begin to see that transformation on the outside.
0: Comes to the issue of communication in families. What trends are you ladies seeing um, nowadays that maybe are on the rise, that are on the increase? Um, One of the common trends that I'm seeing
1: is uh, parents tend to back away from their kids uh, when they – Go into middle school, and they do it unknowingly a lot of the times. You know, they feel like they're a little bit more independent. They can put their shoes on by themselves, you know, make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and, you know, they have a little bit more independence in their classroom. So they just kind of um, back away a little bit. And then when ninth grade comes, they tend to want to become a little bit more um, clingy. They want to be a little bit more involved because now they have the capability of going out with friends, you know, on their own, or they're going to start to ask. They may be in 10th grade, 11th grade, they're riding in cars with friends that can drive, so they end up becoming closer. And typically what happens is once the parents have backed away unknowingly in middle school and they try to um, become closer in high school – You know the kids are looking at their parents Like well you know what's going on I mean I'm not used to you being so Involved so I don't want you involved now And that's where sometimes some of the conflict comes in Without parents really understanding What happened and I typically tell a lot Of my families is that you know When your child hits sixth grade They need just as much nurturing If not more than an elementary School child because the elementary school child Is going to come to you and get their nurturing No matter what whether you're tired or not And um you know, families sometimes, you know, miss that. And they don't understand all the time that it's not going to look the same. You know, the nurturing isn't going to look the same way as it did when you were in elementary school. But you need to begin to have that conversation of how does it need to look for their child at that time.
0: You know, that's a really good point because we, what I've seen and I've talked to a lot of parents over the 20-plus years I've been working with young people but one thing that comes to mind when you talk about that transition is the the role that fathers play. Not necessarily the role, but like you said, what that what that relationship begins to change, especially when it comes to their daughters. It is really important to really take a look in where you might have gotten affection as a young person this way. You still need affection. You still need that love, that touch, but it may need to look a different way. And talking about it is good. Another thing I see with young people, especially in that middle school age, because they're struggling too. They're feeling like, I'm not a little kid anymore, but I'm not an adult yet. Um, and so it's it's kinda weird. So I, I'm I'm reminded of times when parents are dropping their kids off at school, dropping their kids off at the mall, at you know, at at wherever. And the parents are leaning over for kisses and stuff and they're like, Oh Mom, don't kiss me. Oh, oh <laughs> I don't wanna be seen, can you drop me up around the corner? That kind of thing. So I think it's good that you mentioned that so parents can be aware and that girls can also be aware that, you know, I may need to communicate and really figure out what I need, you know, and, and communicate that to their parents. Um, let me ask this because I'm seeing, we get a lot of calls. We get calls from all over the country and, and, whether it's a girl calling about our program or we're hearing and talking to them in our small group sessions or it's a parent calling who is at their wit's end, we realize that parents and girls want the same thing. Everybody that's calling wants peace in their house. They want open lines of communication. They want to know that they matter. They want to be respected. Yet and still, there's the divide. There's that breakdown. There's the bumping of heads. So what advice would you give to families to help them begin to get on one accord and open the lines of communication for one another?
2: Well, you know, I would actually recommend to a family um, to identify what are your core values, what are those things that you're instilling in your family unit, because if those are your values, then you should be able, I should be able to see those things occurring um, and how they're manifested, So, or manifested in your behaviors. Um, I would also ask families, you know, what does communication mean? Because I'm, my expectations of an effective communicator might not be yours. Uh, maybe you was raised in an environment where yelling was an effective meaning for your family of communicating. Maybe um, communication looked like nobody, everybody was in separate rooms. So it's very important for people to define what is communication. How would they like to effectively communicate with each other? It's a new generation of kids. So, therefore, because of this new generation of kids, there's a new generation of parenting. So a lot of times I feel like they're waiting for kids to initiate a little bit more when they're forgetting that they're the parents, that they have to initiate the conversation. They have to ask the questions Um, because their kids are not always going to tell them things. So they have to be mindful of that, that you have to still be an active parent even when your kids get older Um, and that you're going to still have to take the initiative regardless of their age regardless of their level of development, you still have to take that initiative because they're still kids and they're still learning. You're the, you're the teacher. You're the guide. And when it's that time to release them, then that's when you're able to actually see the work that you actually put in. So that's what I would probably ask parents first to identify their core values um, to define their communication patterns and to remind them that they are the ones that empower their kids. They're the ones that have to teach and train up their kids because that's biblical.
0: That's really good, and it makes me think about this technological age that we live in and how we're so connected with devices, and there's no FaceTime anymore. I mean, even you can go out to eat and you can see a family at a table and everybody's got their device and nobody's talking. And so one thing that I encourage parents to do is to make sure that you're creating that FaceTime with your children regularly. You know, communication and and discussions freak people out because they think, in some families, the only time we have communication and stuff is when there's an issue. Oh, God, Mom wants to talk about this. Oh, gosh. You know, and so the tension comes because they don't do that. They're sending texts within the same house from room to room, come downstairs, it's time for dinner, take the clothes out, dry, just all of this stuff by text and by phone. And so Again, just looking and seeing what communication looks like, as Nidra said, what your values are, and making sure that you're doing it and you're doing it on a regular basis and find out what works for your family. What rules would you all recommend when it comes to healthy communication? I know you mentioned families that may have bad habits like screaming and yelling throwing things, I mean, what happens if there is a girl who's listening whose parent communication style clashes with her, and so she can't hear her parent because her parent is always going off, is always going overboard? What advice would you give to them, and what kinds of rules or boundaries can families put in place when it comes to communication?
1: Um, I think, some, you know, one of the most important rules is respect, I think sometimes parents i think they they believe that they have to respect them, but sometimes they don't always their behavior doesn't always manifest that or show that they are supposed to respect their kids um so that's number one they need to respect them even if their child is being disrespectful to them or even if their child is yelling, they still need to maintain a certain type of um behavior because they're still teaching their kids. Um, I think Nidra talked about earlier about parents are role models and they need to teach it, and, and they need to stay in that um, when they are communicating with their child because that's how their child learns. Using good listening skills. Um, sometimes in our practice we we call it active listening or some people call it mirroring or parroting or reflective listening, but being able to hear what your child is saying and being able to reflect back, you know, what you heard them say sometimes in certain situations, no matter how crazy the situation may be or you may feel like your child isn't um, on the right path or making sense, it's still important for them to be heard. Uh, Some parents feel like, you know, if they're really listening, uh, that they may be giving up a sense of control if they have to listen to their child and and totally focus on what they're saying. And that's not what that means at all. Um, And also giving choices. I have a lot of parents that really struggle with giving their child choice, that they really feel like they're going to lose control if they give them choices. But what they don't really understand sometimes is that they're still in control when they give choices. You know, it could be a choice of, you know, you can either go to bed early or you can... Uh, you know, eat your dinner with the rest of us when you're supposed to, or or different things like that, but the parent is still in control, but the child is empowered. I always like to tell my parents that even in the midst of giving consequences, you still want to empower your child at the same time, and also help your child uh, problem solve, that's another big one, and model all of these behaviors, at least majority of the time, as much as you can. I know parents are, we're all human, we're all going to have our moments, but it. If at least eighty-five to ninety percent of the time we are using these skills, then when we have our moments as parents, then you know our child child is going to bounce back a whole lot easier, and they're going to understand that mommy or daddy had had a moment.
0: Now, before we close out, I just have one more question, and it kind of piggybacks off of what you said because with choices, uh, when parents give kids choices, there comes responsibility. You know, honesty comes into play, and and what you do now that you have this freedom to make a choice. And so the issue of trust is something that we hear. You know, what happens in a, in a parent and child relationship if they've given choices and maybe the child has not been responsible if trust has been broken? How can they move past that?
2: You know, that is a, a very challenging question. And the reason I say that is because, you know, from a spiritual point, um, even when we do something that's not right, God still loves us. He still gives us an opportunity. But however, because we're human, and even though we're created out of God's image, you would think that we, well, not, you would think that uh, people would be aware of that, but we all have that capacity to trust that we don't always do that or we're not always forgiving. So I would have to empower parents by saying learn to forgive, but then set up clear boundaries so if if your kid did not follow through on something and, they promised that they would, you give them another opportunity. You, you set boundaries around that and say, okay, so last night your curfew was at 10 o'clock. Um, you didn't come home to 1030. Well, therefore, this is a privilege that's going to be taken away from you, so therefore you can earn it back by doing these things and being very realistic, but sitting down with them and realizing that penalizing them and punishing them and holding on to that creates um, challenges in how you are able to communicate with each other. Versus teaching them and saying, okay, I want you to understand that one of my true goals as a parent is to, to teach you so that when you become an adult, because your kids will become an adult, that I have equipped you with everything that you needed to be able to manage life with. Because there's going to be other relationships that you're going to have in your life outside of us that you will um, promise something or you will break that trust. But learning how to get over trust, learning how to restore trust, so that's what I would tell parents to do, to sit down with your kid and to say, okay, I get that this happened. I could scream, yell, argue, and fuss, but the reality is it has already happened. So where do you go from there? How do you build up your kid so that you guys can continue to learn how to trust versus holding on to the trust? Because I always say keeping that door open for the enemy.
0: That's really good. And and knowing that it takes time to be patient. I mean, for girls in particular, you know, they, they, I hear it all the time, my mother's never going to trust me again and she'll never let me do. But just as if a friend betrayed your trust, it takes time. You don't just let that person come right back into your life and do it again and again and again. So for parents, that time, that patience, and for girls, understanding that trust can be rebuilt, but everybody has a role to play. Well, ladies, I thank you. This has been great. I want to bring you back on the show because I think that there's so much more that we can address when it comes to communication. I mean, issues like dating, that that's a major, major, major topic, especially with high school um, students, with parents and girls being on total – separate ends of the spectrum when it comes to dating and friends and boys and all of that stuff. So we'll have to have you back to continue the conversation on communication because you all have such a wealth of information. Um, Can you all let our listeners know how they can contact you to learn more information about the great work that you're doing there at Rebuilding Lives? And this even includes people who might not be here local in Georgia but may want to contact you.
2: Yes. So they can actually either contact us via phone, it's 678-835-8144, and they can leave us a message that is our business phone number, as well as um, contacting us via email, Um, and it's rebuilding. R E B U I L D I N G L I V L L C dot org. And I spelled it because even though our business name is Rebuilding Light with S, and our um, website is um, you leave the S off a lot. So that's how they can get in contact with us.
0: All right. Well, I know that you all, some of the clients that you work with, I mean, definitely you all work with individuals. You work with families. Do you work with agencies? I know you work with our agency, and we refer a lot of people, but if there are professionals who are listening, people in the youth development field, educators, are there good, I guess, referrals or potential partnerships or relationships that you all are open to? Yes.
2: Yes. You know, actually right now, I know for me, I am contracting out with um, a substance abuse program for teens, and I actually provide the family recovery piece, so I work with parents. So we are always open to do a lot of contract work. Right now, we are in the process of contracting out with hopefully another agency to provide services for them. So, yes, we are so open to anyone who feels that we can provide a, a great service for them, so they can just give us a call as
0: well. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us here on A Priceless Perspective. We wish you the best in the work that you're doing. Continue to change and transform lives and allow God to use you for his glory. Thank you, and God bless. Thank, thank you. you. Join the conversation. Visit us online at
3: pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by Simon in the Rough Youth Development Program, Incorporated. And Jim Akers, LLC.